the last few weeks, we have been doing a series called Frontlines. And the whole idea of the Frontline series is to equip you for your nine to five, right? That most of our time is spent not in church. It would be great if we spent all, time, all of our time here. But it's actually spent in environments that are often very difficult, sometimes can be toxic, sometimes can fi- it feels like it's quenching the thirst that we have for God. And so we've been looking at the series to figure out how to win in your nine to five. What are biblical principles that you can take into that place? So we're going to have two people sharing with us this morning. We'll get to our main preach just now, but we're first going to have Lesiba speaking. Lesiba, are you here? Awesome. I'm going to just introduce Lesiba quickly before you welcome him. So Lesiba is um, qualified in economics, focusing on finance and eco- financial economics, and he's worked as currency trader, risk specialist, and he's currently in the Investment Solutions Exco team. He is married to Emily, and they have two daughters, but he specifically looks at emerging markets and the South African context. So he's an incredibly qualified man to speak to us this morning, and so we're just going to hear a little bit of his testimony before we get to the word. Can we welcome Lesiba? Thank you so much. Um, you know, um, I grew up in this church from the beginning. <laughs> I arrived in Joburg in 1997. I got saved the same year. I joined his people, now every nation, since then. And I've been part of this body since. And what was very clear from that time is that when you go to Bible school, you engage the Word, you get to encounter this. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. Won't you? I'm going to testify, but I want you to anchor uh, the words that I'm going to talk to, to Zechariah 4. Zechariah 4. Do you, do you guys have a Bible here to read that? <laughs> yeah, Zechariah. Zechariah 4. Sorry. Zechariah 4. 10. Zechariah 4. 10 says, to, I'm reading it in the living, in the living, uh, in the, in the living Bible. Do not despise this small beginning, for the eyes of the Lord rejoice to see the work begin. Now, for me, um, it all started in 97 at Wits, and the Lord was very specific in what he wanted to call me to do. So just to give you a hint of what has happened in the last week, um, we work in an investment firm, and one gets to talk to all forms of people all throughout the country. Um, this particular time, I got invited to speak at my hometown in Lipopo um, by a BASA, black accountant uh, 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 institution at home. So I, I embraced the invitation because he came from home. A prophet is not respected from his hometown. So when you get an invitation, you arrive. Okay. So I went there. Now, I did that without thinking what the ramification of that engagement would be. So I was excited, inspired by that word that says the prophet is not well respected in his hometown. So I took it over and said, let me go in and share my ideas at home because I'm very excited. I'm at home. It's in my hometown. It will be actually my inaugural discussion in that context. So we talk. We have a nice event. And the subsequent weeks, they tweet Say, thanks, Lesiba, for having been here. This is great, etc. Little did I know that um, it caught attention um, to, 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 to the governor of the Reserve Bank, who direct messages me in Twitter. Well done, you need to do more of that. And it made me think that one could be in the remote part of town 
One could come from the remotest part of a village in the country, and God will take you and speak to you, and even in your hometown, even from your village, you'll be able to disseminate information that will catch the authorities and all of the world. And I was reminded of that, that do not despise the days of small beginnings, um, when, in fact, there's, there's a part in the Bible that talks about how when, when one was saved, before you got saved, you had no influence, okay? You couldn't speak in front of people. You had no honor, <laughs> it says in the Word. But God has given that to you. That's me. 97, when I came, I had, I had low self-esteem coming from a village out in Limpopo. Um, and what I've seen God does from those small beginnings has been quite a a, a huge contribution. So in it all, it's that do not despise the days of small beginnings. I'm an example of all that. There's much more that one can talk about, the opportunities that God has given, the opportunity to speak to to people that are making business decisions, that are making policy decisions, etc. But I'll just leave it at that to say, I was in the remotest part of town, expecting no feedback because it was a Friday night and I was just doing it because I was wanting to, to say, well, at least from my hometown, there are people looking at me. <laughs> so I needed some exposure there. But in it all, it made me see that even when in the remotest part in your life, uh, Greg talked about comfort and talking about how some are not doing well and you may be feeling all lost, but even if you feel remote in that emotion, Know that don't despise the days of small beginnings, which included today when we're praising the Lord because he started doing work in our lives. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lesiva. It made me think of that um, scripture that says, you know, do good works unto others that they may see your father and know him. And if we start doing things for other people to see us, then that's where things get a bit hazy. But when you do things for God and for his delight only, that that is when he will exalt us. Amen. We are going to have Dr. Yvette coming to preach with us this morning. She is an amazing woman. She is um, a prosthodontist. Did I say that right? Which is dentistry, basically, for most of us who don't understand what that is. She's married to Dean. They have been married for 31 years. Isn't that amazing? They have two adult sons. They have two adult sons, and Dr. Yvette is the head, is that right, the chairman of the South African Dentistry Association, first female chairman of the Dentistry Association, which is amazing. She's completing her second term there, and she's also one of our leadership coaches for our Transformational Leadership Institution. Can we welcome Dr. Yvette as she preaches? Good morning. Thank you for this opportunity to the leadership. I honor my husband, Dean, um, just for the empowerment, for the ability to allow growth, and of course, to let you be. I have to say, just as an introduction, I have a renewed honor and respect for the likes of Greg, of Sviwe, of Roger, of Simon, um, for the preparation, the time that goes into preparing and wanting to share. And I'm, in essence, more of a teacher than anything else, as you will see. I'm not a preacher, I'm a teacher. Um, 
But I want you now, I'm going to tell you beforehand, um, don't try to write notes from my slides because I'm going to flip very quickly. So take some photographs. There is some very good essence for you. Um, I hope to get time to share my testimony because there's so much to be said in a very short time, but for you to be able to walk away with something. So we've been dealing with winning at work, the nine to five. And of course, somebody said once, it's amazing how we spend five days of the week overcoming others, relationships, issues, and conflicts, and only one day overcoming ourselves. And that is on Sundays. But it is meant to be a lifestyle. And how is that lifestyle influenced? Because it is about our identity. I'm not going to recap. You can go to the podcast. Thus far, we have dealt with working miracles in the workplace, working mindsets, perspective, working success, and then, of course, what you have, your working power, your working faith, as sons of God that are led by the Spirit and who put their trust in God that enables you to do great exploits. So, we're doing working identity. Wow. What is it all about? Who you are. Why are you? And your perfections, imperfections, your failures, and what distinguishes you as somebody who has their identity in Christ. The dictionary gives an ident- uh, um, a meaning for the word identity, and there is a social construct and a personal construct to the word. Socially, it's about who you are and why you are, and it is a labeled issue. Puts you into a specific category, tells you you're part of a different family, part of a culture. It is what differentiates you. You're female, maybe you're African, maybe you're Indian, maybe you're colored. It's labeled. Personal construct is the state of having unique identifying characteristics. And that is your values, your priorities, your perspectives, your attributes, your beliefs, your desires, the dignity, your integrity, and the pride. It's what distinguishes you. And you know what? You take these very things, this identity, you take with you into the workplace. You take with you into your relationships and into your response. Also, there are different types of identity, okay? People will ask you, so what do you do? What are you? Oh, I'm a prosthodontist, whatever that means. I'm a minister. Um, I'm a worshiper. Or the way you dress, how you define yourself, your speech, your oriented behavior, that all has to do with your identity that you bring in the workplace. So what does the word say? Firstly, you've been created in God's image. Genesis says, created male and female. So in other words, didn't leave anyone behind. Psalm 139 says you fearfully made, wonderfully made. Your inner part has been knitted together in a well-ordered fashion. And of course, you are God's choice vehicle for his presence. That makes you a species of wonder. His thoughts about you are vast. 
They're numerous. You don't know, you don't end to it. So imagine this. There's forethought given. There's design. And then he watches over you while you are in an embryonic stage, while you're in the womb, while you're being formed. He knew you even before that. And of course, if he puts so much energy in your beginning, imagine what he would do to your end to ensure that you finish well. So, by understanding God's constant interest in you, leaves no room for insecurity, for you to ever fear, oh, shame, what am I? I am just a worker. So, 1 Peter 2, and I'm not going to read the whole scripture for time constraints, says you are a chosen race. You're chosen. You're royal. You're a dedicated nation. You've been purchased. You are God's people. Once you were unpitied, but now you are pitied, and you have received mercy. And of course, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and the perfections of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So you have been moved out of darkness into marvelous light. So, for those of you who know Simon Sinek, it's all about why. Start with why. Why are you? You now know who you are. No place for insecurity. But why are you? First Peter 2.21 says you are called, and that is inseparable from your vocation. For Christ also suffered for you, leaving you a personal example for you to follow in his footsteps. So look at our God, how amazing. He is a neat God. Doesn't leave anything incomplete. He gives you an identity. He first he creates you beautifully, wonderfully. Then he gives you an identity. And then he shows you how to model Because it doesn't just stop with who you are in Christ. Oh, I'm a sinner saved forever. No. So, the cross. You have an identity because of the cross. The work that was done was complete. Lacking nothing. He dealt with everything. There is not a thing that was not dealt with. Blood of Jesus Christ. And so you have to embrace your identity in Christ. With your living, give Jesus the full reward for his sufferings. If you do not live, you are living sub the reward, sub the sacrifices that he made to host his presence, to reveal the Father heart to those you interact with unto salvation, and to build lives. That is why he paid such a price for you. Enter the school of terror, school of work, school of conflicts, school of hassles, school of people that you want to say, oh, speak to the hand, ears ain't listening. He sent you in there with an identity. He didn't send you in there and just say, well, go and just do it, babe. Showed you the example. And that is, you have to bring the reality of his dominion. That is your mandate. So, and if it was just so, 
that the school of terror was filled with different individuals valuing each other regardless of skin, intellect, talents, and years. That would be wonderful. But it's not like that. Because our diversities brings conflict. And if you have lived in South Africa for all your life, you will understand diversity. You will understand differences. But that's not the issue. Different identities, different ways of doing things, different philosophies, different race groups. And what is alive in the workplace is that there is discrimination. There is gender bias. There is racism. There is discrimination against your age. If you are a millennial, maybe you've experienced somebody says, oh, these millennials, they just have a culture of entitlement. They don't know. And they're so young. You feel unappreciated. You feel undervalued. And of course, you may have had an experience where somebody lorded over you and didn't actually speak to you very nicely. Perhaps good managers, but very little leadership. And that can be said for very many companies. And it leaves you feel very unappreciated if you do not know your identity. And of course, I'm sharing about gender bias and gender equality because it affects my own testimony. When I came in, I was appointed as president and then subsequently as board chair. It was actually coming into a world of being a female in a man's world. And we would sit around the table and they would all be men. And of course, every time you would assert and maybe you have to arbitrate, there's been such undermining. At every board meeting that we have, I have to come and I have to fight for territory. And of course, disregard, disrespect. And of course, you can walk away and you can say, what is happening? Even in terms of not being empowered in the position. Given the mandate, not empowered, not supported. So, what did I do? I go read about it. I checked out and, wow, the person who really had influence on my life, Judge Deborah. She was a prophetess. The first scripture talks about Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth. And that's the first time that you hear about Lapidoth, which means her empowerment started at home. And she was somebody that honored God. And that's why I can honor my husband. He's done the same for me. She was a mother. She was a military strategist. Most importantly, she had a voice. She was a spokeswoman. And she spoke for the voiceless. She stood up for what was right. She stirred up righteous conversation. And of course, she challenged Chaitus Quo. And by doing that, she reconstructed history. And of course, was the circumstances nice? No. The Canaanite oppressors at that time, there was cruelty. There was ruthlessness. It was a deplorable environment to be in. Corrie ten Boom says, every experience God gives us, every person he puts into our lives, is the perfect preparation for a future that only he can see. So even if you have that experience, you may ask, my gosh, Lord, what are you doing? What must I do with this? You turn around, Lord, what's the note to self I need to make here? 
And how do you want me to respond to this? What do you want me to do? So we have our imperfections and our failures. Those are real. Because, as John Stanko says, God is more in touch with our imperfections than what we are. We let our failures and what we cannot do keep us from doing what we can. Because we condemn ourselves all the time. Or shame. It's my fault. And in that environment, you come out feeling undermined. There's unfairness. There is undue setbacks. You are marginalized. You're undervalued. There are false promises. Somebody that promised you a promotion, and then you come back. Then there's another manager again, and the promotion doesn't come. There's racism. And so you are ill-equipped to deal with all of that. But what do you do then? You react. You respond. You speak words, you commiserate, you have a body language, you feel offended, you start complaining with others, and you dissociate. Because that is how we respond as humans. But God's way, right through Scripture, never dealt and interacted with things that were not right through rebellion or through revolt, through revolution. No, he worked by changing hearts. He worked by changing the character of men the inner man, and he brought redemption. So what he wants to do, that even on the left-hand side, where you're feeling so marginalized, your identity has been established for you to bring God's insight. You bring the initiative, you bring your influence, you bring your impact, and you bring your integrity and your identity in Christ. So, if you don't do that, You pick up labels, and the labels, identity, doubt, fear, shame, condemnation, hopelessness, no confidence. Oh, I'm tired of this. This will never, ever get to right. I'm going to Australia. That's where I'm going to go. This is not working. A.W. Tozer says, God never negotiates with men about your identity. He's already spelt it out. Christ's death on the cross put an end to the need for that. There's no more need. It's now God's word in its entirety or nothing. So whose word do you believe? As he wants to say about you, our Jesus, he formats labels as he did with Simon Peter. Simon. Simon was a fisherman. He was in a family business, okay? And he comes and he meets Coach Jesus, and he translates his employment into a purpose legacy. Now, if you can remember Simon, oh gosh, imperfections deluxe. He spoke out of turn. He made mistakes. He, in actual fact, denied the Lord. You remember? And then, of course, Jesus turns that around And he becomes Peter, the rock on who I will build my church. And he was first, the first disciple, and he was the champion for God. So you can come to the cross. Like Simon interacted with Jesus, you come to the cross to exchange whatever labels you have. The fear, the anxiety, the conflicts. Exchange that. Bring the lies. Exchange it for truth. Bring the ashes, exchange it for a crown 
of beauty and have your identity restored. So what distinguishes you? It's bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your love, your perseverance, your generosity, your long-suffering. Okay? And what does that mean? Because Valentin always says, we don't overcome the enemy with the fruit of the Spirit. We wear him out. Totally. And of course, it is about knowing who and whose you are. It does not end after sinner saved by grace. It goes beyond that. You are in covenant family. You are empowered. You are royalty. And Bill Johnson says, when you know who you are, serving is an opportunity to enable others. So that school of terror becomes school of opportunity. So what do you have? Zephaniah 3 verse 17 says, He rejoices over you with singing. And Psalm 27 says, you can remain confident. It doesn't matter what happens. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You can be bold because you believe in the impossible. And because of that, you have a commitment to people living by faith, not by sight. You will be set aside by your personal governance, how you govern your life how you monitor your time, how accountable you are, your culture of honor, your respect, how reflective are you? If today you said something to somebody in an undiscerning moment, tomorrow you come back and you say, in hindsight, I want to apologize to you, and I want to replace what I inflicted with respect and with honor. That is what's going to set you apart You are an open letter. You are writing. So write well, edit often. So you're known for your generosity and blessing because you're called to change atmospheres. atmospheres. And number 624 says, he says he will bless you and keep you. And he will make his face shine upon you. So when you walk in without you knowing, they see your countenance. Your countenance speak of a God that does the impossible. And people will be drawn to that. You have seasoned conversations. Christine Kane, in her book Undaunted, says we frame our worlds with the words that we speak. We are called in our identity, knowing who we are, to harness our emotions, harness our responses, encourage, empower, enlighten, and have empathy For those who don't know the Lord. You have put on the full armor of God. And that is the fullness of identity. It is you in Christ and Christ in you. What does this mean? It means that there you are complete. You are clothed. And the nice thing that you know about the armor is that you don't get born with it. You have to put it on. You have to put it on by choice. And if you do not have the armor, school of terror is going to become difficult, challenging, impossible, leaving you discouraged, and of course, full of labors. You are a builder. You have expert building skills. First Corinthians 3 verse 14 says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, 
Or you can also sow and serve and build with wood, hay, and straw. But if you build with what is enduring, gold, silver, and costly stones, what has been built will survive. It stays. So everyone is significant. Doesn't matter who they are. Muslim, Jewish, everyone is significant. Why? Because they have been created like you. And of course, you honor that. You see the value. And you serve them and love them without hesitation and without choosing. You have a commitment to excellence. Everything you do is an act of worship. Lord, this is for you. This is what I distinguish myself for. And of course, it is about knowing who you are, what you do in your relationships. If you do not have the armor of God, your relationships are going to feel it. And you are going to sit with those labels. And I encourage you this morning, if you have a label, discouragement, undervalued, perhaps a gender bias in your workplace, perhaps racial bias, perhaps feeling that, oh, wow, I'm incompetent, I'm inadequate. And so what happens if you're inadequate? You're constantly studying, constantly doing this degree and that degree. Why? Because it doesn't know an end. And God knows that. And he knows your imperfections. And I want you to join me. I want you to stand up. And we're going to pray this prayer. We're going to, in actual fact, declare it. And I want you, as you declare this, make this decision that whatever experiences you have in the workplace and in your identity as a person of color, as a female, it doesn't matter what it is, you know who you are. You have taken on and put on the full armor of God. So let's pray together. Father, I want to be fully clothed with the identity of Jesus Christ. I am in Christ. He is in me. Help me to fully realize and accept that he is truth, my righteousness, my peace, my savior, the source of my faith, and the ever-present Lord of my life. I want to bring glory to your name today and always, wherever I am. I ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so as you are, as we're going to be leaving, if you need to run to the cross, bring it. Leave it there. Leave it there and exchange it. Don't sit with ashes. Come and exchange it for a crown of beauty because the price has been paid for it. Bless you. Thank you, Dr. Yvette. Just before we close, we want to take a moment to apply what Dr. Yvette said. And so can I ask us all to just bow our heads in a moment of prayer? If you're here this morning and you're feeling like you want to make that exchange, you're carrying issues of identity that you feel burdened with, we're just going to receive from God right now. And if that's you, maybe just raise your hands in a posture of receiving. Lord God, we come to you. We are so grateful, Jesus, that we are created in your image, Lord God. And we rebuke this lie right now that we are alone in dealing with the struggles that we have, Lord God. I rebuke every spirit of loneliness, every lie of loneliness, every fear, every despair, 
in the name of Jesus Christ. And right now we ask, Lord God, that your word would begin to fill our hearts. We identify, Lord, the things that we have believed about ourselves that are not true. Loneliness, shame, despair, orphan mindset. We identify those things and we lay them before you, Jesus. We lay them at the cross and we leave them there. We are not those people anymore. We have been bought with a price. And so, Lord, we ask you to come right now and take away those burdens, Lord God. Fill us with a renewed identity. I can hear you saying, Jesus, you are mine. You are mine. You are mine. You are mine. I would never leave you. I would never forsake you. My thoughts towards you are more numerous than the sands on the seashore. How much more am I present with you every day? Lord, we ask you to fill us with your grace, Jesus. Fill us with your love, Lord God, that because we are loved with an eternal love, there is no other love that we need, Lord. We don't need the approval of mankind because we have the eternal love of a Father that outweighs everything else. And so, Jesus, we choose to find our affection in you and you alone, Lord God, and to not look to the world to identify us. We we commit our hearts to you, Jesus. We commit our spirits to you, Lord. We ask that we would live as children of the Most High, settling for nothing less than oneness with you, Lord God. I commit every person in this room to you, Jesus. We ask that this week, as we continue, that we would not just do things the same way we've always done, but we would take time to invest with you, Jesus, because our time spent with you results in how we act and live in every other way. And so I pray that we would have time in the word this week, Lord Jesus, reading what you have said about us, reading your promises, declaring them over our lives, believing that they are true, Lord. Time with you, Lord Jesus. I commit us to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give God a round of applause for what he's doing in us this morning? Thank you, Lord Jesus.